He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you today. We have a very special guest coming up after the break, Mickey Tettleton, former all-star in the major leagues and from Oklahoma City, plays his golf out at Oak Tree National, was out actually out there today when we did that interview. So definitely stay tuned to listen to Mickey Tettleton. What a great guy he is. But guys, Let's go ahead and jump in to the Cadence Bank Houston Open. And Woody, yesterday you teased on the show that you had played Memorial Park Golf Course before. Um, And I'll just let you take it from there, Woody. Apparently you have a great story about playing out there. Well, it wasn't me playing in this situation, but it was a friend of mine. And some of the names are going to be changed to protect the guilty. Not the innocent. (laughs) Protect the guilty. (laughs) One of my buddies, his name was calling Larry, was playing in a big money game, and this was in the early '80s, guys. This was a long time ago. This one, Memorial Park was really a in a rough area of Houston. It was a, a rough muni, but he was playing in a money game. And what was really rare about this is my buddy was a uh, well, it's called the way it was. He was a very wealthy. Uh, white guy (laughs) and he was playing with three black guys his partner was named Leroy so we had Leroy and you had Larry we're playing two other gentlemen they come to the 18th hole and they're all tied and it's a big match playing for about 5,000 bucks guys so this was a big gambling match and uh, so Larry hits first and he hits it right down the middle of the fairway and Leroy, his partner, kind of yanks one to the left. The other two opponents are playing. One guy hits it way right, and the other guy hits it kind of left over where Leroy's ball was headed. Larry was the only guy to hit the fairway. So they immediately, Larry and Leroy, drive down looking for Leroy's ball, and they're searching around, and they find it. Larry says, hey, Leroy, here's the ball right here. Well, by by the time this happened, the other guys were coming across the fairway, they had found the ball that was in the trees to the right, had no shot. And they were now looking for the other guy's ball, right? And they're searching around. And Larry said to Leroy, that ball, I know that ball's right here. He said, it's got to be right in this area. And Leroy looked at Larry and he says, no, he ain't going to find that ball. And Larry goes, well, I'm telling you, it was right in this area. He says, he ain't going to find that ball. And Larry goes, how do you know he's not going to find that ball? And he says, because that ball is in my pocket. <laughs> oh wow about this time Seligman Larry I used his name sorry but he goes uh, excuse me and he goes come on get in the cart and they go and get in the cart and sure enough Leroy looks for that ball for a while and doesn't claim to find it because you know where Leroy's pointing it excuse me he says I guess I lost my ball and he said yeah he did go back and tee off again so they won Larry and Leroy won that match <laughs> 
Larry told me that he personally said, I not only got out of the parking lot as fast as I could, but I never went back to Memorial for many, many years and never played another match. <laughs> he said, I could have got shot. And I go, yeah, you probably would have got shot. But I thought that was a funniest story when that guy said to Larry, he says, he ain't going to find that ball because his ball's in my pocket. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That and is you hilarious. Somebody just cheated. He was going to win. It didn't matter how he was going to win, but he cheated. So, But that, every time I see that Memorial Park, I think of that 18th hole and wonder, I wonder where Larry hit his ball, where Leroy hit his ball. <laughs> I just always wonder. <laughs> Oh, that is good stuff. Houston story there. (laughs) Story time with Woody never disappoints, guys. And like Woody just said, they are at Memorial Park Golf Course this week for the Cadence Bank Houston Open. And Scotty Scheffler is your favorite this week, has a 12.6% chance to win on Data Golf. Tony Finau, Aaron Wise, Sam Burns, and Russell Henley round out your top five favorites analytically for the the week, T-Dub. What are you looking forward to most this week at the Houston Open? It seems like forever ago, guys, but remember, Scheffler finished second here last year, and he, that was during his stretch where he couldn't seem to win. He couldn't ever get over the hump, and to, to think of all the success he's had over the last year to now, that's pretty crazy, but I think it's going to be a, a pretty good tournament, honestly. I'm uh, Hopefully, we can avoid a story like Woody's situation where we're picking up balls on the 18th hole to win, <laughs> uh, but I will be looking out for, for that now, but uh, you know, it's, it's a fairly top-heavy Felix said Scheffler, Finau, Wise, uh, Sam Burns, Taylor Montgomery, uh, Russell Henley kind of round out. The top five, Jason Day's up there as well. I look for him to play well. But it'll be interesting to see if any of these guys towards the uh, the middle to lower pack of the field uh, could come out, Woody, because I do feel like this is a course that uh, could, could be available to uh, some of the middle-tier guys that we may not be looking at right now. Well, what we did yesterday, this golf course is pretty hard. Since they redid it, it, it is a, it's a really good test. So um, I look to see if Scheffler can keep that putter hot. If if he if he keeps that putter rolling, uh, I, we all know he can hit it. He can play. So if he keeps that putter rolling, out, I, I I'd be hard pressed not to bet on him this week. Guys, there's an interesting name in the Houston Open this week, and that's Hideki Matsuyama. I feel like we haven't talked quite as much about Hideki. You know, at the second part of last year, it just seemed like he finished, you know, 13th to 20th in every single tournament, at least in the big ones. And um, he started the year with a tied for 25th, a tied for 40th, and a tied for 34th in his first three tournaments for the 2023 season. What do you expect in 2023 out of Hideki, Taylor? In all honesty, I expect uh, probably a lot of what we've seen uh, throughout this last probably year and a half, two years, really ever since he won the Masters, where, uh, you know, he'll have his good stretches. Like he did at the end of last year where he won the Zozo, then won uh, the Sony Open. So he can get on streaks like that just because he's such a good um, ball striker. But he's gotten to a point now to where his putting, at least last year, he was right pretty much dead even on strokes gained. Uh, for for tour average, but the two years before that, he had lost point three on the green. So if he can just keep his putter somewhat moderate, he'll be fine because his his iron numbers and his off the tee numbers are relatively about the same. His off the tee has gotten a little bit lower just because he doesn't hit it as far relatively as he used to. But uh, I expect that Hideki to have a one two win. 
season, maybe contend in one major championship, but uh, I don't expect a, a four or five win season from Hideki coming this next year. And then, Woody, I want to ask you about the favorite, Scotty Scheffler, and to end his 2022 season all the way up into the Tour Championship, in his last 13 events, Woody, he only gained shots on the greens three times, but then last week, we saw him kind of get the putter figured out a little bit, got really hot in that final round last week. Did you see anything that makes you think that he's got the flat stick figured out, uh, or at least the problems figured out that he was kind of dealing with in the last half of the season last year? I think every golfer, I, I, even all of us that aren't Scotty Scheffler, we all have a number of putters. It seems like if, if there's one club that people love to change, it's a putter. You know, it's a, if you think about it, okay? So he has, he went back to his original putter, from what I understand, when he shoot 62 last night, last uh, round at Maricopa. Um, he has a certain feel with that putter that's better than any other putter he's got. Let's just say that. I truly believe that. Sometimes benching one is not a bad idea. It, it, it really is. You know, you, you, you just put it down for a little while, and then when you pick it back up, it feels like it's all new again to you. And I think that's what happened. I think he was – he was lacking in confidence. He was not as comfortable over his putter as he was most of the year. But I think it's hard for anybody, guys, to putt really exceptionally well all the time. Um, Cameron Smith might be the only one that I've seen do it. Um, but for the most part, it, you go in peaks and valleys. And, and if you look at where Scheffler is now, I think he's going in one of those peaks. Yeah, and then T-Dub, the second favorite at the Houston Open is Tony Finau. And in the 2022 season, he had 10 top 26 top fives and two wins in 27 starts. And T-Dub, what I really think uh, you can attribute that to is the iron play. He had by far his best year strokes gained approach uh, in his career. What have you seen in the iron play that makes you think that it can propel Tony Finau to winning a major in 2023 or at least having a solid year. Well, it seems like that he's he's always had that short backswing, and I noticed even at uh, at the PJ Championship at Southern, he it's a lot shorter even in person than it looks like on TV. So it you wouldn't think that it would be that hard to to get everything timed up because you're not taking it that far back. But he's still a fairly tall individual, so there's a lot of movement that that club has. So he's, that's how he's able to generate as much speed as he has. I just feel like that now he's been able to to get everything synced up. And also, too, just a confidence factor where I feel like that he's been able to work on his course management better, probably taking more better lines onto greens because maybe not firing at so many flags. It looks like seems like he's kind of playing playing the golf course a little bit better than he used to. And you look at it as well, Sam, over the last few of uh, over the last probably 12 events over last year, only two of them he didn't gain strokes on the green. So that, that's given him more confidence to not have to fire at so many flags and just aim at the middle of the green and know that he's not he, he's thinking more about making the putt than he is than he is not three putting. And I feel like that that's been probably the biggest factor in, in making his iron play better is his putting, which we, we see that sometimes in a lot of players where you fix one aspect of their game and the other one gets better. And I think this is a classic example of that. It's definitely going to be a good one at the Houston Open. Guys, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, Rory McIlroy came out uh, the other day and said that Tiger Woods has won the PGA Tours Player Impact Program Award for the second consecutive season, guys. There's death, there's taxes, and there's Tiger Woods winning the PIP, right, T-Dub? 
I mean, this is like the, the least shocking thing I've heard all year. It is. <laughs> Tiger, Tiger will win this PIP to the day he dies, guys. I mean, there, there's no way that he's not going to. And the only one I feel like that could beat Tiger coming up in the next 20 years will be Charlie himself. So I think he might have a, a Woods duo leading that, that tandem from time to time. But, but no, it, it's not a shock at all. From reading the, this article on ESPN.com, says that the, the, the PIP list should be released sometime around Thanksgiving week. So that's, what, two and a half weeks away from now. So that, that'll be cool to see, see maybe who's, who's in that ranking. I, I would like to know how the actual points are calculated. They have a lot of different metrics, it sounds like. But I would like to see a, a formula because a lot of money is going to be dictated uh, now that they've changed the structure, guys, where now instead of 10, they're going to go – to 20 players and uh you know this is the pip is going to be a big thing that gets you in those uh those uh elevated events as they're calling them so uh i am very interested to see how it all turns out uh, in a couple weeks guys yeah and then the other thing on tiger woods woody that we mentioned yesterday we were pretty much acting like it was a done deal but tiger woods this morning confirms that he will be playing in the hero world challenge uh and tommy fleetwood who was the other one t-dub that's the new is it kevin kisner i think kevin kisner Kevin Kisner and Tommy Fleetwood added to that field as well. What do you expect Tiger's game to look like at the Hero World Challenge? Um, I know I mentioned yesterday that I think that he might impress some people and get their hopes up a little bit. Do you agree or disagree with me? I don't know. I, 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 I'm, nah, I'm not trying to be pessimist, pessimistic, but I'm not optimistic about him coming out of the coming out of the box and really impressing anybody with his game. Um, I think I think it's like anything we want so badly to see a Tiger Woods that could compete and I I I just don't know, Sam. I, I know I'm taking the easy way out. Uh, I I don't I do not think he's gonna he's gonna shock you with some great um, ability to play the game. I really don't. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Right. And it's just one of those deals. It's hard to kind of bet on Tiger Woods right now. I know I always say never bet against Tiger Woods, but it's just hard after what we've seen, especially at Southern and then at the British Open. It just didn't look good, T-Dub. I don't know where Tiger goes from here, but man, it just it, it doesn't look like he's ever going to be what he was in 2019 again. I learned after this last go around to never doubt the man, but uh, it's hard not to, right? Just with everything that he's been through. And at this point, I mean, if he can just, like we were talking about yesterday with how much golf that he plans on playing in December, if he can just play all of that with, and he looks the same and the swing looks healthy throughout those three events. And I think that's an encouraging sign and maybe he'll be able to play some golf going forward. But, but the point you brought up yesterday, Sam is even more so where his setbacks could just happen at any point now. And that's, that's something that us Tiger fans are going to have to live with, and he, he could be on a massive roll, even maybe get contending if he's healthy for a couple rounds in a tournament, then all of a sudden just one bad tweak, maybe even sleeps on his back wrong or something like that, then everything goes down. And we saw even at Southern Hills, once the weather got cold in particularly, that's when uh, it seemed like everything even started to get worse for Tiger. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle for him, but uh, I'm just excited to play him golf because – as much doubt as we had, it just means that we're not going to get to see him much more 
going forward through the rest of our lives. So I think we need to relish every, every moment of it that we can, boys. Absolutely. And by the way, Tiger has been caddying for Charlie Woods. Charlie shot two under 68 in the Nota Begay Junior Golf Championship yesterday. So you can keep an eye on that. Just give Nota Begay Junior Golf a Google. And by the way, his swing looks amazing. I saw what he someone put on Twitter, Charlie Woods swing next to Rory McIlroy's swing. And I know we've heard a lot about, you know, Charlie being the spitting image of Tiger Woods, but his swing is very very similar to Rory McIlroy's at a young age well and it will be it'll keep it'll keep I think it'll keep building that way over and over again because he turns so well he's young <laughs> his body's very young so um, one of the things that makes McIlroy's swing so pretty to watch is how big a turn he actually takes on the golf ball so uh, that's Charlie in a nutshell so if if we were looking at golf swings and we were going to say one of the best you'll see. His his fundamentally is pretty strong. I think where he's going to have it a big advantage, guys, is his dad. Oh my gosh, can you imagine the knowledge that that boy is gaining every day that he plays golf with his father? So, as good as his golf swing is going to be, that ain't going to hold a candle to how good his brain and how good his heart and his competitiveness is going to be. He's going to be he's going to be something to watch. Absolutely, he will be. And guys, there's one more thing that I can't believe we didn't touch on, but it happened right after our show last week and we didn't have time to get to it yesterday. That's Taylor Gooch moving to Bubba Watson's team. Right now it's the Niblicks, but they're going to change the name. Bubba Watson is the captain. It will have Taylor Gooch and Harold Varner III and then Hudson Swafford. Now, I saw a lot of things on Twitter, T-Dub, about people saying, why would DJ kick Taylor Gooch off his team? I don't think that's what happened. You know, I, I think that Taylor Gooch uh, and Harold Varner III are very good friends. And I think that uh, headed into the actual start of Live Golf, I think that they wanted to play together. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that team uh, have one more change in it as well. So I guess we'll see going forward. Yeah, I mean, you look at it from just a golf perspective. I mean, yes, Uline had, had a great season over on Live, but would you rather have Uline or Gooch going forward over the next couple of years? I would I would pick Gooch personally, and I think a lot of other people would too. So I, it doesn't seem like DJ would do that from a from a tactical perspective, but it, it just is another dynamic that we've talked about, the possibility of this happening of, you know, you, you see players essentially traded and free agency, and I think that it's a pretty cool thing to see. It's cool to keep up with, and – if we keep getting uh, the uh, the more rumors that we keep have that we've alluded to on our last couple of shows that we keep going forward, I think we're going to see even more of it going forward, Woody. So uh, it's it's definitely something that's a cool dynamic that uh, we get in a lot of other team sports, uh, like we talk about, like we're going to talk about with Mickey Tettleton coming up. But uh, yeah, it's just super cool to see, in my opinion. I think it's funny. I mean, I would have never thought in my day that I'd hear about free agency in golf. <laughs> So, so just just a simple fact that kind of stuff is going on. Um, I can't wait for 2023. I know it's another year that I get older and I'm going to die soon, it seems like. But I love looking forward to another year of this golf because this golf this year was so entertaining. And I, I think 23 is going to be even crazier. Guys, we had the Cantlay-Xander conversation yesterday, and I don't want to bring up the whole conversation. I do, to end this segment, though, want to bring up one thought I had last night when I was listening back to the podcast. 
Guys, I mean, if Xander and Cantlay want to be on the same team, but only the captain gets the reported 25% equity in the team, I mean, could you have a team with two guys with that would hold 50% of the equity in a team if they wanted to play together, or would they have to be on separate teams if they want that equity, T-Dub? Uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question, something I hadn't thought about. I feel like maybe you could do something if you want to do co-captains, I guess, and maybe find some way to get them some sort of equal split. But, I, I mean, I didn't even think of that as a possibility of, of both of them being on the same team. I and mean, we talk about the four aces being an absolute dynasty. I mean, if they can get just two other Pat Perez's on their team, I mean, they're, they're going to be absolutely dominant to beat. And so it's, uh, that, that's something very interesting thing. But when it comes from uh, an ownership standpoint, something I hadn't really thought about, but it's another element to it, right? Of uh, And that's something that you don't really get in any other team sports either is the players don't own the teams in most occasions. So this is another thing that's fairly interesting to see. But uh, I, I tell you what, if they do make the jump, Sam, I would be pretty shocked if they were on the same team. That's just off my uh, personal opinion. Yeah, Woody, I'm, I'm just trying to think of different instances why it might be holding up right now, because why these negotiations might be held up right now, because clearly they are having negotiations in my mind, because otherwise they would have came out and said, no, we're staying on the PGA Tour. So I'm just trying to figure out why a deal's not getting done, Woody. It could be any number of reasons, Sam, why that deal's not getting done. Um, and and one of them could be, are they trying to get maybe, say, 12.5% apiece and be right. on the same team? I'm kind of like T-Dub. I can't imagine those two getting to be on the same team. I mean, that, that would just be, uh, wow, that would be one strong team. If I was Gooch and Burner, I'd go join them. That's um, right. <laughs> check with Bubba. <laughs> I need to call for free agency and go over there. But um, I think what we've got going on, though, just just honestly, I, I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't really know about yet. And it, it's going to be a crazy November and December because didn't, if I'm not mistaken, did not live say they want all this finished and done by the end of this year? Yes, they did. And yes. they also said that don't be surprised if each team has a sponsor and the TV you know, rights and deals that they're trying to get done. I think there's a whole lot of, of steps that haven't we haven't heard about that they're making behind the scenes. Right, Woody? Yeah, that's what I think. I think there's just so much going on right now. And they don't want to – oh, they don't want to speak too early. I think they want all of this set in stone before they come out and then have a you know one of those huge type of um, oh, press releases the way they like to do and I think they want all these ducks in a row before they do it I totally agree Woody tell us about our friends at Quail Creek Bank oh my guys I always like to you know how much I love talking about those guys over there at Quail Creek Bank uh, we talked about it the other day when we were on the phone with them uh ATM fees. I, you know, I just don't really think much about those, and yet, still amazing how many banks still charge for those. Um, interest rates are going crazy nowadays, so I mean, you've got to really bank and search for the right companies and the right banks to get involved with. Club Creek's that bank. They're gonna, they're gonna give you the best rates they got. They got them. They'll give them to you, especially for any kind of loans that you're doing. It's just a great bank, great people. They're located right there at 122nd May Avenue. We say that every time, but go see them. Go see them. Great bank, Quail Creek Bank. 50 years in business, getting better every day. 
And after you go to Quail Creek Bank, get your local golf news from GolfOklahoma.org. Kim McLeod and Chris Swafford up in Tulsa doing a great job covering golf in the state of Oklahoma. Also, follow us on Twitter at The73RdHole and on Instagram at 73RdHole. And hit that like and subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. It's the purple button. And on Spotify, it is the green button. Guys, let's get to Mickey Tettleton after the break here on the 73rd Hole podcast the official podcast of golf oklahoma when something the size of a golf ball hits your roof you need to call mccray roofing mccray roofing is oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist for years jeff mccray and the experienced team at mccray roofing and exteriors have served fellow oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs mccray roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service security and protection you need from the unpredictable oklahoma weather mccray roofing offers residential and commercial roofing ventilation services and custom copper designs mccray roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations it's not just a roof it is your home's crowning glory call mccray roofing today at 405-692-4000 that's 405-692-4000 Make sure to also visit their website at mccrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. And now we are back rolling along here on the 73rd Hole Podcast and Guys, in the wintertime, we like to switch it up a little bit. Normally, we have golfers on the podcast that we interview. Today, we're switching it up and interviewing a two-time All-Star, three-time Silver Slugger Award winner, and he's from Oklahoma City. That's Mickey Tettleton, played his college baseball at Oklahoma State, and then went on to play with the A's, the Orioles, the Tigers, and the Rangers. And I know Mickey a little bit from being out at Oak Tree National. He plays golf all the time, but Mickey, are you out there? today it's pretty windy huh just pulled in the parking lot so <laughs> there you it go. sounds like it's going to be the last uh, warm day for a while so we'll, we'll come out and put a chin strap on our hat and go play mick i think it's funny because i'm sitting at oak tree too i'm giving a golf lesson today and i thought well who would want to play in this and then you're right the weather <laughs> forecast almost everybody's gonna want to play in this parking lot's packed out here i want you to tell these guys and especially our listeners the time, the first time I ever met Mickey Tettleton guy was when I was at a Quail Creek head pro there, and I get a call from him, and he says, "Hey, uh, how about this? I need a golf lesson." And I said, "Well, okay, uh, I'll be happy to help you with a golf lesson." So, Mick, you take it from there, and when you showed up, and what we did in our first golf lesson, and then I'll kind of ad lib a little bit as you go. Uh, well, it was, it was actually the first time I had ever even had a golf lesson. I'd basically been, uh, self-taught and well, you see how that worked out, but, uh, <laughs> now Woody, Woody came highly recommended and it was when we started doing this, this little celebrity tour that we had and, uh, Rick Roden was making a whole bunch of money. So I figured that, you know, I might as well try to make some as well. And I, at the time I had a, a really long John Daly ass type swing and I hit it a very long ways, but I also hit it a very long ways in the trees. 
and uh, that's not real conducive for good scoring. So uh, we've we've tried to, to tighten our swing up as as the years have gone by. I think old age has got a lot to do with it as well. But uh, no, Woody was the first official golf lesson that I ever had. And and guys, it, it was really funny because I'd seen some guys hit the long ways. John Daly, one of them. And his swing reminded me so much of John Daly. Literally, it got so far past parallel that I knew how good an athlete he he was that he could even contact the golf ball was phenomenal. And not only could he contact it, our range at that time at Quail Creek was only about 300 yards long, but nobody could blow it out of the range until Mickey came along. (laughs) And then he was just – He's launching these golf balls, and I'm looking at him going, holy cow, man, that is really hit hard, but that is a long ways off line. And we well, I was, yeah, and I, I was blowing them out of the range to the left and the right as well. <laughs> well <laughs> let's just say these golf balls were uh, not findable how far they were going. Uh, but what but was amazing is he could he could take a pitching wedge and get it that far past parallel and, and hit it solid. So – I knew Mickey was going to be a good golfer. He, Like I said, uh, to be able to hit a round ball with a round bat that's moving 90-plus miles an hour and moves all over the place tells you that any professional baseball player, their eye-hand coordination is more than significant enough to to handle golf. So I was really proud of Mickey because he, he came out there and he, he listened and he, he knew what he had to do. And uh, I wish I would have filmed that swing and kept it. Mickey, because the transformation over the years of where your golf swing is to that one, that's the darndest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't film that because it was, uh, it's kind of like my baseball swing. It was ugly, but sometimes productive. Yeah, say the least. Well, Mickey, I feel like you, you kind of ruined yourself on golf lessons. Getting your first lesson from Woody is kind of like dating Miss America as your first girlfriend. It's like once you, you can't ever go get anyone ever worse than that because you have the upper echelon. So, I mean, there, there's no excuses for your golf game, Mickey, if you're getting lessons uh, from Woody. But I do want to ask you uh, a question about, because obviously you played in the majors, uh, Major League Baseball for 13 years. What are some of the similarities and differences between uh, baseball and golf? It seems like a lot of uh, a lot of baseball players can translate to golf pretty well and even the opposite way. So what are some of the similarities between the two sports? Well, as far as – well, golf is a lot more frustrating because it's just sitting there. At least baseball, I've got a built-in excuse the ball's moving. Uh, but as far as the swing go, I think that there's a lot of similarities to the golf swing and the baseball swing – they're obviously on different planes, uh, but you know, baseball and golf—you got to go back before you go forward. You got to hit against the stiff front side uh, in golf, as you do in baseball. Granted, you're you're more behind your front foot in baseball, where you'd be finishing a little bit more over your front foot in golf. But it, it's still the same thing. I, I think that you know you're you're trying, and one of the things that that Woody got me to do and, and I still try to do it today though even if it's not as much speed into it but was to stay as tight as possible and rotate to the left as tight as fast as possible and basically that's the same thing with with baseball what these guys are trying to do they're trying to put them inside a cylinder um, and you, you try to stay inside that cylinder you know not by drifting back and forth but by basically coiling on it and it's the same thing when you look at these young kids and their golf swings, how tight they are, but yet how 
fast they're going in a small uh, space, um, I mean, it's, it's really remarkable. I would say that, you know, that once again, besides the swing playing being the difference, there's actually a stride in baseball where, you know, unless you're, you're pulling the happy Gilmore, uh, you're not striding in golf. Uh, so I do think that there's a lot of hand-eye uh, similarities to it. I do not believe that a golf swing will mess up your baseball swing. I think if you're a good athlete, it doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, for me, that that's just a myth. But overall, I think that there's a, there are really a bunch of similarities um, you know, it's just obviously on a different swing plane. Mickey, since the beginning of time, we've had the debate, is hitting a baseball harder than hitting a golf ball? And I think a lot of golfers think that that's the hardest thing to do in sports, and a lot of baseball players think that that's the hardest thing to do in sports. Now, I have a little bit of a two-part question. Which one do you think is harder? And if I'm not mistaken, you switch hit, right? Have you ever tried to hit from the left-handed side of the golf ball? Only when I had to. turning the club upside down only when i had to but i i i think and i may be a little bit biased in this i think hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports because like i said the golf ball even though it is smaller it's just sitting there and you know you're you're talking about a 90 plus mile an hour fastball with movement that you've got a split second to make a decision on on whether to go or not to go and, uh, you know, besides and, – and the only way I can really relate it to, when we would go back to Detroit, the Red Wings, who I think NHL hockey players are some of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. Some of the things that they do just flat amaze me on skates. But they would come out to hit and take batting practice, and it was amazing watching these guys. It's like they were never an athlete at any one time in their life. But it would be the same thing, but putting me on skates. Uh, probably wouldn't be a pretty sight. But I, I think that just goes to show how difficult hitting a baseball is. Golf is the same way. That's why not everybody can do it. There's a bunch of people that play. There's a bunch of people who are trying to play to make a living, but the really good ones are making the, the very good living. And it's the same way with, with baseball. If you can hit, they're going to find a place for you to play. Hey, Mick, I, you know, in all my years of being around golf, I've seen a number of baseball players. You are one of the few that is not a pitcher, believe it or not. I, I, when I lived in California, I played some golf with Rick Dempsey, who was a catcher. But almost all the time, the guys that I know that are baseball players that play are pitchers. Is that because those guys only had to work every four days and they would play golf a lot more than you? Yeah, they've got a lot more time on their hands. I could never figure it out. We would have a day game, and they would send the next day starting pitcher for that day game home early to get rest. And I'm like, this guy's been resting for four days. What does he need to go home? Send the catcher or the shortstop home early one night. Let them get some rest. But it's just, they, they just have more time. They really do on the road. And it all depends on the organization if they let them take their clubs and stuff. But I, I, I think overall, you know, Pitchers are, you know, Rick Roden is one of my my very best friends, and we all know what he can do with a, you know, a golf club. For him to be able to go out and play a, a little bit of championship golf is no small accomplishment. Very much so, and he was the one that came to mind the quickest. And and Smoltz, Smoltz is pretty good too. It's funny yeah. you were talking about the hockey guys. 
a lot of times a hockey guy would be a pretty good golfer. He has a slap shot type mentality. So I think it's funny you should say that, but I, I, I can only relate one story when you guys were talking about that. When I was out in California, Rick Dempsey was a catcher, and there was a relief pitcher for the Dodgers at the time named Tom Needenfewer. And they oh, brought him in. You remember Tom, don't you? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, I played with both of them. Well, I didn't play with yeah, Dempsey, but I played with Needenfewer. Yeah, they well they brought a he brought his mitt, his catcher's mitt, and Needenfear brought a baseball and they gave me a bat. And they backed up the, you know, whatever amount, sixty some odd feet and I was scared to death to even stand there because I thought he was gonna <laughs> kill me. And uh I I can I couldn't believe how fast that that ball came at you. And and no, I didn't even put a bat on it at no time. Most of the time I was backing out of there so fast to get out of the way of the thing. But, I mean, to think that people actually can hit that ball coming at that speed was just incredible. Incredible. Well, so I, I have the utmost respect for Major League Baseball players. It's just amazing what you guys do. Try try facing Randy Johnson. When he's, <laughs> he's 6'10". <laughs> you know, he's 6'10", and he's releasing the ball just, like, right in front of you. And it's basically <laughs> like looking up at a light pole. And you're, you're, you're trying to hit this guy. This is, this is, this is no lie. It's honest God story. We were getting blown away by him one night. I mean, we had no chance. He could have told us what coming, and we couldn't have hit him with a boat paddle. <laughs> but uh, it was my third time up, and he just throws two nasty, nasty pitches. One was the first pitch was a slider, and the second one was a fastball. And I turned around to the umpire for the fastball, and I said, that pitch sounded low. And that's the same <laughs> response I get when, when you think about it. It, it sounded low. Like, I, didn't, I didn't see it. <laughs> so, uh, of course, the umpire had a few choice words for me and get back in the box, and I proceeded to go ahead and strike out and, and uh, speed the game up. So it's, uh, but there, I mean, it is amazing though, just, just watching these guys and, and what they can do, but just, you have to make split second decisions, uh, on guys throwing 90 plus miles an hour. And it's, it, it's still fascinating today to, to, to think about it. Cause when you put a baseball up to a baseball bat, there's not a lot of room there for solid contact. And, uh, it's, it's still amazing to me that, that people are able to do it. That's absolutely incredible, Mickey. And I feel like one thing that, that golf and baseball share very similarly is the fact that, that when you're you're playing really good and the highs are there, it's really great. But when the slumps come, it's hard, and it can be hard to get out of them. So when you were at the top of your uh, professional status in the majors, how, how did you deal with slumps when, when the hitting and everything just wasn't going your way? Well, it's kind of like the same thing with, uh, with putting. I, I changed my putter grip because it can't be my fault. Um, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> You know, I, I think that it's just, it's something that, you know, the, one of the things about baseball is, and, uh, you know, it, it's hard to convince young kids and high school kids of this because they think it's a game of perfect, and it's not. Baseball, you can be a huge success being a massive failure. And if you think about it, three out of ten times is all you got to do. Well, if you're doing that as a doctor or a lawyer, you're probably not going to be in business very long. Or if you do that in baseball, you're a gazillionaire. So it's learning how to deal with failure and and learning, you know, that eventually a slump, you know, a, a lot of people ask me, say, well, the guy's he's 0 for 15. 
is he in a slump? And I said, I don't know. I'm not there because I can't see the way the ball's being hit hard. You know, if a ball's being hit hard and it's just right at people, and there's two things. One, you're a bad luck, and two, you're a dumb hitter because those guys have been playing in that position for 100 years. So, um, you know, it's just it, – it, it, it's more of a mind thing than anything, and it's just it's going in there with something positive. I would say the difference in golf is, you know, if you hit a bad shot, there's nobody standing on deck. So you got to go in those trees and go in there and hit it again and again and again until you put a, a score on it. And the score only goes by your name. Uh, where in baseball, the score goes by the team's name. Mickey, I want to switch gears a little bit. We've had a lot of Oklahoma State golfers on this show, and every time we have one on, I ask them about Mike Holder. Now, I'm going to switch it up for you a little bit today because there's another uh, guy that we both know that I want to hear a story about, and that's Jim Traber. I know that you played with him in Oklahoma State. Mickey, did you play with him on the Orioles, too, after Oklahoma State? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you you must have some stories with Traber. Uh, I know you guys made the finals of the College World Series in '81, and so just tell me tell me one story about Traves. Well, Traves was a heck of an athlete, man. I know people around here are probably going, "There's no way," but Traves could flat out hit. He was a great hitter, played a really good first base, could play some outfield. Uh, Traves' biggest problem was Eddie Murray. I mean, he got stuck behind a Hall of Famer in an organization that would not let him go because he was valuable to that organization. You know, if something happened to a, a couple of left-handed hitters, if they got hurt, um, Traves could step in and, and do the job. And uh, had he been in a different organization, I think Traves would have played a lot longer. But just unfortunately, he got stuck in Baltimore behind uh, a Hall of Famer and Eddie Murray uh, because Traves could flat out hit. He was a really, really good hitter. Hey, Mickey, I heard you talking about uh, – I know you do a little teaching of kids, um, and I, I find myself being the same kind of an old soul, having experienced a lot in golf. I know you experienced a lot in baseball. Uh, the one thing I've noticed about these kids in golf is a little bit what you say. They're all about perfection now instead of learning how to get the ball in the hole. When you're teaching kids to play baseball, mostly I bet you're teaching them how to bat, what do you what do you cover with them on that? What do you teach while you're teaching somebody how to hit a baseball? Well, I, I think one is uh, having them understand first and foremost, especially kids, that it's hard. It is extremely hard to do, and you're not going to be perfect. Like I said a while ago, it's not a game of perfect. Uh, you know, you can hit, you know, go in and strike out three times and then you get a base hit to win the game. Well, who remembers three strikeouts? Because you're being dogpiled by uh, forgetting that base hit to win the game. And, you know, I, I try to, to keep it as simple as possible when I'm, when I'm teaching stuff to kids, whether it be a younger kid, high school kid, or college kids, um, because it, it's hard to do. So I think the simpler that we keep it and – it's the same thing in golf by watching the flight of the ball tells you everything that you need to know about your baseball swing. And it's the same thing with golf. If you watch the flight of the ball, it will tell you what your swing's doing. And, um, so that's, that's the biggest thing I try to do is just keep it as simple and as positive as, as, as possible. You know, young kids think that a line drive has to be that perfect five foot off the ground line drive. 
and it has to go to a certain part of the field. Well, the last time I checked, there's no rules against hitting it in between either one of those foul poles. So I just try to emphasize to them, let's hit it hard somewhere, whether it's on the ground, whether it's on a line, whether it's over the fence and into the trees, hit it hard somewhere, let the ball go where it wants to go, and we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll settle with the results after that. But uh, my my biggest thing is is keeping it simple, trying to keep it as positive as possible, and reinforcing um, positivity. But you know, just just trying to teach the the whole thing from the mental aspect of it to approach like a pre shot routine. Uh, your approach when you leave the the batter's box, what you're looking for when you get in the batter's box, uh, and then from there it's just See it and attack. Just see it and go. Mickey, one thing I'm curious about, you being one of the most successful hitters of all time, was there a lot of difference when you went to different ballparks, whether it be anywhere in the country? And what were some, if there were, different challenges you faced just on the, the various ballpark, whether if, no matter who the pitcher was, what that uh, a certain ballpark, what challenges it presented? Well, it was more the pitchers and the pitching staff, not necessarily the ballparks, because the fields, you know, except for Fenway Park, dimensions were always the same you know the the base paths are always the same it was more the pitching staff and how and this took me a while to learn you know we could go play in Chicago one night or three game series and the White Sox may try to pitch me one way we go to Kansas City and Kansas City tries to pitch me a completely different way and I think it's just it's being able to make those adjustments from night to night on how you're being pitched and sometimes from at bat to at bat um you know, and, and learning how to look for pitches in location and, and trying to do some damage with those uh, was was a big thing that took me a, a long time to learn. But it's not necessarily the, the ballparks. Like I said, Fenway Park, you're in the visit, you're on the third base dugout, just walk out and don't look left. You know it's there, just don't look at it. But uh, really all the ballparks were just magnificent. They were all extremely well lit. Um, I mean, the playing surfaces are just unbelievable. Uh, so the ballparks, there was really not that big a difference. Mickey, we had Taylor Gooch on the show, and we were talking about his move to live, and he brought up another catcher from Oklahoma City, JT Real Muto, who we just saw in the World Series. And Taylor said something interesting when talking about his move to live. He said, you know, JT, his buddy, could go over for a month and still get his money. Now, do you agree that golf should be the same way as baseball is in that aspect? I do. I, I think that um, uh, now I don't – you know, I don't know about guaranteed money as far as purses and stuff like that, but I do think that they should be compensated for missing cuts because, uh, or at least some type of, of, of reimbursement for expenses and stuff like that. Because, you know, if I go for 25, I'm still going to get the same paycheck as if I went, you know, 10 for 10. And, um, but if these guys are now, you know, based on the way they play, performance, you know, payout like that. Yeah, I'm all for the system. But, but I, I do think that them and their caddies, because it, it's a grind, you know, out there. And, and uh, that stuff can be can be really expensive. Mickey, let's do a little rapid fire and then we'll get you out of here. Um, so I'll say, you know, a couple things and, the, and then you just give me what pops to your head first. So we'll start with your favorite golf course, Mickey. Oak Tree National. What do you think about the changes there? Little follow up. Unbelievable. I think the uh, the greens are as fast as I've been out here for almost twenty years, and they're as fast and consistent 
as I've ever seen them. And we've only been on them for a month and a couple of weeks. So I can't wait to see what they look like uh, this time next year. It's just, it's been incredible. It's, it's been, uh, it's put a lot of bite back into Oak Tree National. And I think that uh, going forward, it's just going to be phenomenal. All right. What do you think about banning the shift? Uh, I think you learn how to teach guys to hit the ball the other way. Use the whole ballpark. That'll ban the shift. It's like putting a, a clock in baseball. We <laughs> have right. never had a clock. We were the only sport that was never up against the clock. So you go out there, you get two good pitchers. You could be there for two hours and 15 minutes. You get a slugfest, you're out there for four hours. So I think that we're trying to get in baseball, like the shift, we're trying to get too much like other sports, and we always stood on our uh, by ourselves with some of that stuff. Give me your dream foursome, Mickey, for for golf. Ooh, well, I think Tiger Woods would have to be one. Jack Nicklaus would have to be one. Um, oh man, that's hard. That is that is really hard. I'm I'm just thinking all golfers and stuff. Um, it doesn't have to be golfers. It can be whoever. Well, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'll go with those two right now. And there we we'll, go. We'll, we'll, we'll pick up some guys along the way. And then last... Or gals. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then last one here, your favorite park that you ever played in. You talked a little bit about it, but what was your favorite place to play? Well, my favorite place to play was in Texas because being from Oklahoma, I felt like I was playing at home all the time. And uh, being from Oklahoma, the people in Texas treated me pretty good. Uh, but... Uh, just the ballpark down there. Now, this is the old ballpark, not the new one, and it was phenomenal. But just the uh, the ballpark down there, the uh, the arrangements with everything as far as parking, the locker room, the the field that we played on, the crowd that we played in front of. And they don't get me wrong; they were all great in their own way. But it's just as far as as being at home, uh, the ballpark in Arlington, which it was called at the time, was was uh, fabulous. Well, Mickey, we can't thank you enough. Uh, I yeah, my pleasure. This is fun. I mean, I always appreciate all of our – we're so fortunate to have the great athletes we do in our state. And uh, to, to call you guys up and to come on our podcast, we appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to watch for you to come through the door because I know you're getting ready to come out here. And uh, <laughs> uh, I'm pulling for you today because – it had teeth when there was no wind. Uh, good luck today, okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody said we had to finish all 18 holes. <laughs> That's right. And there you if go. I like it. If, if we don't like what's going on after nine, we can always go have lunch because I'm sure uh, G's got some good stuff going on in there. Oh, yeah. Gino's Kitchen is rocking and rolling already, no doubt. Yep. Appreciate it, Mickey. All right, guys. Have a good one. Enjoy it. Let's do it again. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mickey. See you, buddy. See you.